like Antley said, you know, we're in this series, or really the season of, of our church, of talking about, um, talking about discipline and being a disciple and, and what does that mean. And part of me, man, I get so excited because I'm that guy, you know. Like, like Antley, in one of his first sermons, he was talking about, you know, there's the legalist and then there's the freedom fighter. You know, the, 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 the two ends of the spectrum, the freedom fighters, like, I don't need rules. I don't need, you know, it's all about freedom. And then you got the other end of the spectrum where it's all about, man, if I just know what I need to do, I can do it, right? Well, t- Antley is the freedom fighter. I'm the legalist. Like, that's my tendency. And when I was, um, when I was a new Christian, I was, um, you know, just getting involved and, and learning about God. And I was so excited and I'm learning about prayer and I'm learning about the Bible and I'm learning about serving him and, and I'm getting plugged in. I'm, I'm doing this ministry called Young Life, which is a high school ministry and I loved it. And, um, you know, but I'm reading my Bible and I'm saying, yeah, but the church is so important. So not only do I need to do Young Life, you know, not only do I need to be reading my Bible and, and learning all this stuff about Jesus, um, not only do I need to be praying, but you know what? I also need to be really involved in serving in, in the church. And so before you know it, like I have got, I mean, I'm like, I'm a career guy at this point, not married, no kids, you know, doing, doing my, my day job. And then I am booked, baby, every night. I am, I'm doing Young Life, I'm doing church, I'm doing something. And, you know, I just got a checklist, man. I am so good at this. I can, I can do this. And I'm doing the disciplines, right? I, you know, I'm going to talk about a book in just a second. I love the book. It's awesome. But it made me feel like I could do it. I could do it all on my own, right? And so there's one night. I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm doing all my stuff. I get home from work. You know, I change. I do, I do whatever I need to do. And now I'm off to youth group. And I come into youth group. I'm like, yes, I made it. I'm here. I'm on, I'm on time. I come in. And one of the kids comes up to me who, like, I barely knew. And he's like, Tom, dude, you look, you look mad. <laughs> Are you okay? And I was like, man, I'm frustrated. I am working my butt off. You know, and I just, and I, and I turned right around and I left and I just realized it's like, there is a way that we can do discipleship, which it robs us of the, of the righteousness that we already have in Christ. It robs us of the love that we've already experienced in him. And I remember it was just this reset for me. And so I I say all this to qualify everything that we're going to talk about. Every time that I talk about discipline, you need to know that's my tendency. My tendency is to give you five things that you can do to improve your prayer life, right? But that's not, it can look on the outside, it looks identical, just like we've been talking about. It looks identical, but on the inside, it's entirely different. And so when we talk about discipleship, the challenge is, what does it mean to to be led by the Spirit in that? And we don't say that because we're some wacky, crazy church. We say that because Paul is like, man, you guys, when you heard the gospel, you, you, you jumped on it and you, and you started this race and you did so good, but who cut in? Why are you now trying to do it in your flesh, Tom? You were so excited about Jesus. Why are you angry at youth group kids? What happened? Paul says, he says, are you so foolish after beginning... By means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Are you trying to finish by means of the flesh? Look, I love you. You need to learn how to live loved. You don't need to to, to figure out how to earn my love. I've given it to you. You need to learn how to live from that place. You don't need to earn the righteousness of Christ. You can't. He gave it to you. 
Accept it. Live from that place. Learn how to live in freedom. Learn how to live in love. Learn how to live in the righteousness that you've already received. Whew, that is hard. That's a, that's a totally different challenge than, than living out of the flesh. I can do the flesh thing. Yeah, I can make a schedule. I can make a to-do list. I can use Google Tasks. I can have it on my iPhone. I can mark it off. I can do that. But when you talk about the Spirit now, man, that's hard. That's why churches are uncomfortable with it. We'd much rather give you five steps to freedom. (laughs) As long as you do these five steps, you'll be free. (laughs) It's much easier to do that than to say to be led by the Spirit. In Philippians 2, there's freedom. When Paul says this, he says, It is God who works in you. It's God who works in you to will, that is to want, that is the drive that's in you. It is God who works in you to will and to act, to do the things that we're talking about, to act, to fulfill his good purpose. It's God working in us that allows us to go out and do these things, not us on our own. That is a challenge. Okay, all of that. So let me plug this book. (laughs) You know, and I hesitate. The thing is, there's people in here, you don't need this book. There's people, you don't need to read another book about disciplines. You're like, oh, another book about disciplines. I like it. (laughs) No, 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 don't read this book. But some of you, you're new Christians, and you're like, you know what? I don't even know, like, how, how do I read my Bible? Where do I start? How do I study? What does prayer look like? What is meditation? Why do we talk about fasting? What are these disciplines? What are these things that we can do, that we can, that we can be led by the Spirit to do? And you say, you know what? God is leading me. There's something inside of me. It's God working in me to will for something more than what I'm experiencing. I want to experience more of God. I want to know more of who he is. I want to be able to see him more clearly in my life. That is when a book like this makes sense. But the minute that it starts to rob you of joy, the minute that it starts to rob you of what God has been doing, then that's the verse for you. Are you so foolish? Put the book down. That's what Paul is saying. Are you so foolish? It's not about what you're doing. It's about what Jesus has done. So all of that to plug, you know, as we talk about disciplines and things like that, there's great books on discipline. This is one of them. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Faith. I love this book, um, only because it's more of a, a more recent um, disciplines book than, than some of the other ones that are out there. Um, but hey, I'm a legalist, so be careful what I tell you. So this morning, that was just an intro. That was just a qualification for the rest of the message. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can, do, I can do a message on discipline, but how can I do a message on what it means for spirit-led discipleship? Like, how can, how can we do that? And so I was thinking about an example. Well, Jesus is the best example of being led by the Spirit, right? He's the one, he's called, called the Christ, the anointed one. He is anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. He is the one who, the supreme bearer of the Holy Spirit. He's the first God-man, the first man to be totally indwelt by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And so he's the one that we need to look at. And so how, how did it work with him? How did, it, how did he, um, you know, model for his disciples? And so I wanted to look at just one passage, um, one story that we're probably all familiar with from Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. And this is, um, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And it's, it, what I want to do is go through this passage and look at what are the characteristics 
of the disciples. Because Jesus is led by the Spirit. He's modeling for them what it means to be led by the Spirit. So let's look at this passage and talk about what are some of the characteristics. But uh, just be careful. Don't get in the mindset of, okay, I, I can do that. I, can, yeah, oh, I, I just need to do this. Okay, check. No, we're looking at, we're just looking at it from the outside, but it's still, we have to be led by the Spirit in this. And we'll talk about that more when we're done, just to make sure I don't do too much damage. Um, so Mark, chapter, chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Right there, we see, we can learn a lot about what it means to be a spirit led disciple, what spirit led discipleship looks like. One of the first things is intimacy with Jesus, that we would be with him. Jesus is is calling them. He's already sent them out, right? They're coming back and they're reporting the incredible things that have happened. Jesus got them together and he gave them authority and he said, go, go, proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God is coming in the most powerful way they've ever seen. Go, preach this message. Go, out, do this thing. Now they're coming back and they're reporting to him all these incredible things that have happened that God had used them for. And Jesus is saying, now come, come with me. You need some alone time. You need some intimacy with me. Let's, let's, let's come together. Let's, let's be together in this. And this is one of the most important models that we can understand about what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus or to be led by the Spirit in discipleship. And it is time with him, not just learning about him, not just reading about him, but actually being with him. That's what he's calling them into and saying, come, come, spend this time with me because that's how we learn. It's not through knowledge. It's not through just learning and understanding something in our mind. He's saying, come, be with me, just us. Let's go, let's go be alone by yourselves somewhere. Intimacy with him. The disciples are walking alongside of Jesus. They live with Jesus so that eventually they start to live like Jesus. Spirit-led discipleship involves intimacy with him. Any one of these could be their own sermon, by the way. This is like an introduction for like 10 different sermons. What else do we see in this? This is, you know, this might seem obvious, but just in here, we see that the disciples are doing something, right? They're out there doing something because it's something that got them tired and they needed to go be with Jesus. And so many times we get it backwards. We spend all of our time, oh, Jesus, fill me up, Jesus. Just more of Jesus, Oh, man, if I could just get some nice quiet time in the morning, just get my coffee, sit on my couch and have my nice quiet time with Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's not what we see here, right? We see them out there advancing the kingdom of God. They're they're, they're doing the things that God has called them to do. They're living out the word of God. They're living out the things that Jesus has told them. And then they're like, I need me some Jesus. And then they're going back and they're getting Jesus. There is some part of discipleship that involves us doing something, going, doing something. And that's what drives us back. It's not the other way around. It's going back to Jesus and saying, whew, now I need, I need that quiet time. Why? Because I've been, I've been out there doing the things that Jesus has called me to do. Doing something, not just getting filled up. Spirit-led discipleship involves getting out and doing something. All right, starting in uh, the next the next. Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 
But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. It's interesting, they saw them. It wasn't just Jesus. The disciples had been out there doing the work. They had seen incredible things happening in the the disciples' ministry. They saw them, and they're running after them on foot. They want to catch up to them. They want more of this thing. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus is on a path of, hey, let's, let's go. Let's go get away. We need some time. But then what happens? He sees, he sees the crowds and he has compassion on them. He experiences the heart of God. We, we live in a culture that tells us that experience is meaningless. We live in a culture that, no, it's not about experience. It's about what you know. And I would say, no, it's about both. We have to know and we have to be able to open to experience. If you want to be spirit-led in your discipleship, you should experience the heart of God. Jesus experiences compassion. He says, man, there is this void that needs to be filled. The Pharisees aren't giving it to him. They're not learning about the love of God. They're not learning about the things of God. And he recognizes that. And he says, man, he's moved by compassion to respond. Spirit-led discipleship involves experiencing the heart of God. Continuing on 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy buy themselves something to eat. Totally reasonable. But, he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? Like the little whiny voice. Jesus, he's not listening. He's not listening to pretty good wisdom. Dude, they're hungry. They're, pretty soon it could be bad. We need to send them away. We need, they need to go get something to eat. Good wisdom. Good, good advice from his friends, from the people that are following him. But Jesus is listening to the Spirit. He's saying, yes, in the natural, that makes total sense. But you, disciples, need to understand that it's more than just what what we see in the natural. That we need to be open to what God is saying in this circumstance. Not what he has said, but what is he saying right now? And I'm saying, you give them something to eat. I'm listening to the Spirit, and I'm saying, this is what God's going to do. God wants to feed them, you, and he wants to use you to do it. Man, that is gutsy. But it is, live, it is listening to the Spirit. He says at some different points, he says, the Son can do nothing by himself, but only, he can only do what he sees the Father doing. By myself, I can do nothing. He is modeling for them. Look, this isn't because Jesus is, you know, jazzy Jesus, and he can just feed all the people, that he can just work a miracle. It's because he's listening to the Father. He's being led, jazzy Jesus. He's being led by the Spirit. And he sees the circumstance, and he says, you give him something to eat. He knew. He knew what was going to happen. And what's cool is, you know, you go and you read this, and of course, that's my model, you know, is I'm going to go and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to study it. Well, this is actually, it happened, Elisha did it in 2 Kings. And Jesus, I'm assuming, knew that. But he doesn't say, hey, guys, let's open up our Torahs and turn to 2 Kings and take a look 
No. What he does is he applies the living word of God in that circumstance. And he says, this is how God works. God wants to feed him. He's going to feed him. If there's a prophet that God wants to use, it's going to happen. God is going to use. And so what's my point? Listening to the spirit. The problem is for many of us, listening to the spirit has always been limited to the, the Bible, which is obviously the spirit. That's the spirit of God has revealed incredible things in the Bible. But those are things that God has revealed. The spirit, guess what? He's still around. He's still revealing things. The things that we read in the scriptures come alive by the spirit of God. When we read them and then we apply them. And what Jesus is doing is he's modeling for them. Man, this is what happened. This is, this is what it looks like in life. And too many times what happens is we, we go from these extremes of, of well, no, it's, it's, it's so important to know the Bible. It's so important to know what God has said. And so we live in the past or we, we, we don't understand. We totally miss the opportunities in the present because we're, we're so focused on what God has said. And some of us, we're on the other end of the spectrum and we don't read the Bible because we're just, we're just, we're just we want to hear from God. We just want to hear from God. Well, he's spoken a lot. You might want to read some of that. It's good stuff. But, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. The more that we know how God has spoken, the better we understand the way that God speaks. We go and we read about what happened in Elisha's ministry, and it it encourages us that God could do that in my ministry right now. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. I am listening to the Spirit of God, and right now what he's saying is you give them something to eat. The sword of the Spirit. I love that. I I love that we call the Bible the sword of the Spirit. And so many of us, me, you know, my, my, my sword is in my living room, typically about 8, 8.30 in the morning. I'm shining my sword, and I put it up, and I go, man, that's a good-looking sword. It's sharp. It's dangerous. It looks awesome in my living room. And what Jesus is showing us is he takes that sword, and he's applying it. He's actually using it. It's a sword. It's not meant to be on display and gather dust. It's meant to advance the kingdom of God. It's meant to undermine the works of the enemy. It's a weapon. But so many of you know, it's like, oh, oh, such a pretty sword. Look at that thing. It's so great. And Jesus is showing, man, this is, this is what it means to actually wield the sword of the Spirit, to actually live by the word of God. Spirit-led discipleship involves listening to the Spirit, both what he, what he has said and what he is saying. And what else? Man. It, it goes without saying, you've got to be relying on the Holy Spirit. Jesus asks the disciples to give them something to eat. They don't have, they don't have that much food. They're like emptying their pockets. That's discipleship, man. That is discipleship saying, okay, get out there on a limb. You give them something to eat. He's not saying you've got the food in your baskets, go feed them. He's saying, this is an opportunity for you to step out in faith and watch how God shows up. This is an opportunity. True discipleship. True discipleship makes us more reliant on the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves. Think about that for a second. True discipleship makes us more reliant on the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves. If you're going through a program of discipleship that is involved in managing your calendar and, you know, all these different things, relying on yourself, 
that's not leading you down this path that Jesus is leading them on because that path is one that you will have to risk. You will have to be uncomfortable. It's great listening to Kathy's testimony about being in China. I'm not saying you got to go to China, but you got to be uncomfortable. You've got to be somewhere where God can say, you give them something to eat. And I know what you're thinking too. You're thinking, this is totally Empire Strikes Back. This is right. I know you're thinking it. Remember whiny Luke Skywalker? And Yoda's like, dude, lift, lift up the X-Wing fighter. Use the force. And Luke's like, master, you asked me impossible. Just like the disciples. George Lucas totally read the Bible before he wrote that. And Yoda, and Yoda says, Yoda says, oh, the force is a powerful ally. You must unlearn what you have learned. That's the Holy Spirit. We have a powerful ally, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says he's going to be with you. To the end of the earth, he's going to be with you. I'm going to be with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to go and do these things. A powerful ally. But you know what? You must unlearn what you have learned. (laughs) That was Yoda, not Jesus. Many of us, we've learned it's all about us. It's all about what we can do. It's all about what we bring to the table. Or it's all about money. Think about this for a second. I mean, I think it's Philip who's the one that said, hey, uh, uh, it's going to cost a lot of money. I mean, we could do it, but are we really supposed to spend that much money? Like, really, Philip, that's the only thing you could come up with? Even in the natural, I think I could come up with something better. Like, even without the miraculous, I could say, well, what we could do is have people raise their hand and see how much food we have. We could pool it together and we could figure out, you know, Jesus, if that's what you want us to do. But Philip, his go-to is like, that's a lot of money, Jesus, right? Many of us, we have to unlearn because that's what it comes down to. It's our own resources. Specifically, it could be money. We've learned that God doesn't do the miraculous. No, 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 that's crazy talk, Jesus. We can't give him something to eat. That's a miracle. Oh, wait. But that's what happens. We have to unlearn this. They were asked to do something that they didn't have adequate resources in the natural. It required the supernatural. It required something outside of ourselves. And you're like, oh boy, people told me this is a crazy church. I knew it. Here's the supernatural stuff. Okay, okay. Just so you know, God is supernatural. Right? Right? God is not in the natural. We can't see him. We can't touch him. Our five senses, we, it's not something that we can, that we can reach out and, and, and do. But God is supernatural. When God shows up, it is supernatural. The signs and the wonders. You know, we hear testimonies about people being healed. And, and it's so easy for us to go, you know, oh, you know, cavities disappeared. Well, He filled him in with putty. I don't know. Some natural explanation for it. Why? Because we have to unlearn what we've learned. Because what we've learned is, no, 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 God doesn't do stuff like that. He doesn't care about your teeth. He doesn't care about the small miracles. He doesn't care about the fact that you love running. And that when your foot is hurt, you can't run or you can't play tennis. We've learned that God doesn't show up for those miracles. No, no, he's too busy in Africa, man. They need him there. We diminish it. But what we see in spirit-led discipleship is the signs and wonders of the calling card of the kingdom of God. It's going to happen, whether or not you want it to or not. (laughs) Some of us are not very comfortable when it shows up, but it's going to happen. We should be in places where the disciplines are required. We should be in disciplines where, man, if you're not praying, if you don't know your Bible, if you are not being led by the Spirit, then, man, you're, 
you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have a hard time. It's going to be rough. The disciplines are meant to be used, that we go out and we're actually doing something that involves the disciplines. That's why I need to go back and fast. Why? Because, man, you wouldn't believe the stuff that's going on at work. Man, there's this person that I've been trying to get to know for years, and, and, and there's something going on in their life, and they're about to make this huge decision, and, and, and I'm so vested in that. But the only way it's going to happen is if God shows up. It's going to take a miracle for that marriage to be saved. It's going to take a miracle for that person to change. It's going to take a miracle for that person to come to Christ. That's going to drive you to fast. It's going to drive you to pray. It's going to drive you to go read the stories of what God has done again and again and again to encourage you to make it through that circumstance. We need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on him. We need to be in conditions and, and, and things that happen that, that force us to be relying on him. Spirit-led discipleship involves greater reliance on the Holy Spirit. Picking up in verse 38. We'll get there, I promise. He's going he's gonna to feed him. Watch. How many loaves do you have? <laughs> so they're like, oh, it's so hard. We don't have enough money. And he goes, okay, right, right, right. How, many, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they, when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus invites them to participate. Jesus invites them to participate in this miracle. It wasn't just you give them something to eat and they're like, whoa, we can't. And then Jesus is like, okay, 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 stand back, stand back. Jesus show. You know, let me see the bread, let me see the bread. Throw it up in the air. You know, like there's no, he didn't, like the music, the soundtrack like kicks off. (laughs) <laughs> and, and he does these great shows, da 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 you know? But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't draw attention to himself at all. Who does he draw attention to? The disciples. He says, you guys, man, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Takes and breaks the bread. Think about if you're in the audience. You have no idea, the audience, I don't know what you call them, the people. They probably have no idea what's going on. They're getting the bread and the fish and they're thinking, man, these guys are prepared. Look at this. They had all this food just sitting up there. I didn't even see them carrying it. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But the disciples, he gathers them together and he invites them to participate in what's going on. John Wimber goes as far as to say that they may have been the actual workers of the miracle. Maybe, maybe Jesus didn't do anything. Maybe what Jesus, I'm not saying he did. I'm just throwing it out as a possibility. Wimber says maybe what he did was, all he did was break the, the, the couple loaves and fish and gave it, gave it to the disciples. And he said, okay, go do it. We don't know. But we know, we know one thing. It was definitely in their hands that the miracle took place, right? They're definitely the ones going, oh, oh here, here you go. Yeah, sure, take as much as you want. Okay, yeah, yeah, we got plenty. Don't worry about it. Yeah, go on to the next one and go on to the next one and go on to the next one. They were the ones that actually got to experience the miracle happening. It happened in their very hands. Whether or not they were the ones who actually, you know, started off with the little that turned into a lot, or whether it was given to them by Jesus, doesn't matter. They saw the miracle happening in their very hands. They were participating in this incredible thing. 
River City Church. We need to be a church that invites us as the church to participate in it. You know, if you're at the town hall meeting, we were talking about the direction with Wednesdays and, and, and how we want to, um, you know, organize and, and align our staff in a church. And the bottom line is, Wednesday nights, we don't want you to come and get fat. We don't want you to come and, oh, man, this Jesus stuff is awesome. Man, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. I just want to consume. What we want is to, when you come on Wednesday, you're, you're going you're gonna to be led so that you can go out and you can do these things and you can participate Hopefully every one of your teachers, anybody who's teaching a small group, certainly anyone on the staff, they need to be saying things like, you give them something to eat. You participate in what God is doing. It's not about me. It's not about what, what, what the staff is doing. It's about what we as the church, the role of the staff should be encouraging us, equipping us, giving us the tools that we need to go out and participate and to go out and pass out the bread and the fish to actually do the ministry rather than sitting back and go, man, that sounds like a great ministry. You guys should really hire somebody to go out there and do that. No, we as the church coming together and saying, man, that's awesome. That sounds like an incredible ministry. I want to go. Or I want to I get a team and we're going to go together. I need, I need the, the, the church leadership to equip and encourage me in this area so that I can go out and do this thing. We need to be participating in the things of God, participating in the very supernatural things of God. If we want to be a healthy church, if we want to continue to grow, grow beyond our staff, that's what we need to do. We as a church need to step up and do those things. We need to represent the kingdom of God when we leave this place. Spirit-led discipleship involves participating in what God is doing and encouraging those around us, anyone that we have influence on. If you're leading high school, middle school, you're in the relationship with your kids, anybody that you have influence over, we should be leading in that way. You give them something to eat. Here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for God to show up. Here's an opportunity for you to experience God showing up. You give them something to eat. And the last thing is that they got to bear the fruit. They went and they picked up those baskets at the end. Think about that for a second. I mean, that, you know the disciples are like cutting it, look, looking at each other like, oh my gosh, dude, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Again, the people around them, they probably don't even know a miracle just took place. But the disciples are freaking out. And they're looking at each other, man, how much do you have? How much do you have? What happened here? We know later on in the Gospels that they still didn't quite get what happened on that day. <laughs> but they're going and they're picking it up and they're bearing the fruit of this miracle that's occurred. Spirit-led discipleship, you will bear fruit. In this process, you will see the fruit of the Spirit revealed in your life and in the lives of those around you. Spirit-led discipleship, there is a, a, a part of it that is bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things that we want in our lives, those fruits are bared as, we, as we're led by the Spirit in discipleship. So these are just some observations. Going back to my qualifier. These are observations. We just went through one story and looked at from the disciples' perspective. What are some of the characteristics that we see of their discipleship? What does that look like for you? Am I saying you need to read your Bible more? Maybe. Am I saying you need to read your Bible less? Maybe. I can't tell you. Being led by the Spirit is not being led by Tom, right? It's being led by the Spirit. 
And so we're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service, right, where you're going to get to hear from God. You're going to get to invite him and say, God, what do you have for me? Do I need to buy the book? Do I need to run away from the book? What do I need? God, I've got it all in you. I just need to figure out how to, how to let it out in my life. Spirit-led definition. Being led by the Spirit. It's God working in you. And some of you are like, man, I don't want to. I kind of like the way things are. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a will for these things. And I would say it's God who gives you that will, so pray for it. God, if there's more, give it to me. Give me the will. Make me want to be more of a disciple. Make, make me want these things even more. So let's pray. And let's ask him to do those things. Spirit of God, we invite you to have your way with us. We know that you are good, and we know that you are here. And we pray that we would be open to what you have to say to us, that we would be led by your spirit and your word, both what you have said and what you are saying. Lead us so that we can become more and more like Jesus, so that we can advance the kingdom, so that we can be a part of transforming people's lives. We pray for this church. We pray that you would use us mightily. In Jesus' name, amen.